Welcome back to the Discovering Forestry podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Corey Lofi, alongside our friend, Mr. Joe Aitken. Joe, how the heck are you doing? You know, I, I feel guilty um, telling you how well I'm doing because I'm on vacation. And, you know, it's, it's funny, Corey, is that we started this over a year ago, and I remember we were so excited about it. I was down here last year, a month into uh, discovering Forestry's life. Uh, so all is good. Florida's amazing. Uh, we're down here with family in, um, is it Fort Myers Beach? Love and life, perfect weather, perfect beaches, seeing dolphins, manatees. Uh, it's been amazing. So all is good. And uh, I'm excited about tonight's um, topic. It's kind of off the beaten path, but it's something that we need to discuss. And I'm really surprised we haven't discussed it uh, in a previous podcast yet. Well, I, I am too. And I, before we get into it, I just want to say thanks for being, being on, Joe. I know being on vacation and, and lugging around the studio equipment's never fun, but it's, it's appreciated. And I, I know the listeners appreciate it. So we'll, um, we'll, we'll try to make the most of your time as well as our guest tonight. And hopefully all the listeners can enjoy it. So without further ado, and I, I already know I'm going to butcher the name, so maybe we can, we can Photoshop it or have it edited to where I say it correctly, but we have an ER doc on today. His name is Sharif L.L. Laley. L.L. Laley. Oh, so close. <laughs> so, okay. Sharif, um, th- how, how are you? Thanks for coming on to the podcast. I'm, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. You know, I'm also on vacation in Florida, so uh, and enjoying enjoying the warmth here. Uh, excited, you know. This is my first podcast I ever been on, so thanks thanks for giving me my big break. Yeah, you're going to get all kinds of you're going to be a celebrity after this one. But uh, Street again, like Corey said, thank you so much for coming on. Um, and the reason we wanted to have you on is that. We know that the trade that Corey and I serve on a regular basis, arboriculture, urban forestry, forestry, is still one of the most dangerous fields that you can get into. And it's not, it's, it's dangerous, but I think we need to, you know, remind our listeners how dangerous it is. We just may, maybe go over some basic responses to what we should be doing out in the field, um, before I uh, got into arboriculture, when I first got the Marine Corps, I became an EMT in understanding how first responders could be the difference between life or death before they get to you in the ER. So maybe understanding the, 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 the ranking of, you know, yeah, you're hurt. How do we prepare them to get you to you? And what happens when we get to you uh, would be a, a great discussion. Yeah. Yeah, it is. You're not kidding when you say it's dangerous work. There's, I don't know how many ways to get uh, hurt or killed uh, when you're dealing with with the the machines and the massive trees. And, uh, just just how much you have to know to avoid getting yourself or your partners uh, injured. Uh, there is a lot, and even when you do everything right, uh, there's still that possibility. Although I have to admit, most of the people I see in the ER we're doing very few things right uh, to end up with their injuries. 
Uh, yeah. So, well, it, it, yeah, you're right. We, uh, Corey and I, because we are certified arborists, we do a lot of training. But you, you mentioned something that's really is really amazing, which I think would resonate well with our listeners is that um, even the guys that are doing it right, there's still the there's still the risk. There's always the risk is there. You're never not a hundred percent safe, even at the most highly trained arborists that I know, we still expose ourselves to risk every day. Yeah. Sharif, and I'd, I'd kind of approach things. So uh, my, my wife works as an EMT in the local hospital, and we, we were kind of shooting it back and forth on, on directions we could take the conversation and using your knowledge that, that you have. And I forget the exact categories that we were breaking it down to, but um, what would you say, Joe or Sharif, would be probably the most common uh, reason for somebody who was climbing a tree to be into the ER? My, my first initial thought um, would be a, a, an inflicted wound from either a chainsaw or a, a silky or something like that. What, what, what are you, what are you thinking? I, I would say the most common thing is, is the fall. You know, these guys that are falling, that that's what, you know, reaching that extra few inches for that limb that, that they don't want to reset all their equipment for uh, guys, you know, maybe even intoxicated, we got people hitting electrical wires uh, from time to time, but the you know definitely the the machines and the saws are are built to cut through materials much stronger than our bodies, and 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 that's what happens when when you maybe encounter the you know the that moving saw blade. Um, so there there's so many so many ways to get hurt, uh, but I would say the fall is the most common. I think you're right. I think you are right, because I think if I remember the last TCIA, which is the Tree Care Industry Association, uh, does have monthly uh, injury report. And I think you're right. A lot of a lot of it is um, ascending too fast. Can I put it? But yeah, coming down hard fast uh, is, is falling. Yeah. yeah. And it just happened recently. Um, I can't remember where it was when the guy broke his. Well, we we're talking about our, our previous guest uh, had a, uh, a, a career changing, not ending career changing uh, incident where he came down, what, 40 feet? Yeah, um, yeah during a wreck climb. But um, so, so, so people fall out of a tree. What if you could give a couple pieces of advice? What can they do before they come see you? <laughs> I tell you what, well, if you suffer a fall, you know, hopefully you're not alone there. We you know, waiting for an extended period of time for somebody to discover you there. But, but the truth is, you know, if, if you fall from any height, we're talking 10 feet or more, the chance of broken bones is, is pretty high. If you land on your feet, that's probably the best thing, you know, to sacrifice the lower body in order to save the spine and the, and the brain. Uh, but sometimes people come down head first, you know, sometimes they, they stick their arms out, you know, and, and end up with, uh, extremity fractures and lacerations and stuff and if they're unlucky they'll fall on a saw you know and so <laughs> these these things can happen but really you know it's first aid for for major types of injuries like that stop the bleeding you know i mean you try to stabilize the patient um by stopping the bleeding uh covering up any open wounds or if there's bones uh, exposed or something like that 
Uh, and I will tell you, I forgot step one. Step one in any kind of situation, and, and that includes us even when you get to the ER, is to make the scene safe. Mm. And so if you're going into a dangerous situation to help somebody, let's say there's a, a limb, you know, they're pinned down with a limb, or there is running equipment, or there's some fuel that has spilled or something like that, you got to make that that area safe for yourself. So it's always making the scene safe and, and making sure you're assessing the other things around. Because if you get yourself hurt helping somebody else, what's the point? So, you know, once it's safe, then then you work on those things like stopping the bleeding. Uh, I wouldn't try to set any bones or anything like that. Uh, but making sure that somebody's breathing and the airway's okay. Um, and then transportation is, is a big thing and, and trying to keep somebody immobilized after a big injury like that immobilizing the spine you know the neck uh and the back and when you're not you know when you're not with a, a medic nearby who's got a backboard and a neck brace you have to kind of make do with, with what you have and it, like i said if you're in a dangerous situation you just have to get out of there as fast as you can you do the best you can but the more you can stabilize somebody's body and, and package them up nice for you know for the extraction and, and ultimately sent off to to the medical facility the better yeah i think uh I, I think you're all amazing great points but i think we go back one more step is that if you understand like you said even a 10-foot fall could be pretty serious it could start breaking uh bones is the the call the time to make the call to ems and I think that's where I think we can make, we could do a better job is making the call to the first responders uh, and being able to let that first responder know what type of injury you have before you're right. Before you enter in and there's two uh, injuries, you know, yourself and your partner, but being able to describe what happened to the first responders so they can come there with the right equipment is key also. So, Making the call, you know, if the guy, what if, like I said, for instance, what if he didn't come all the way down? What if he fell 40 foot and he's still hanging up in the tree? Um, so. You're the rescue. Who's got the train? You're in an AR situation. So, yeah, that's, it's amazing that, you know, as we discussed this and I got things coming to forefront and climbing comps and a lot of really good companies practice aerial rescue and getting the guy to the ground because, an EMT, you call just an EMT, they're not, they're not going to know what to do. They can't get up there and get them. And most fire departments can't. So understanding uh, the hazard, what happened to that individual and making that, relaying that to your, your 911 call is huge also because it's all about time after that. Yeah, I agree. That's, that's a great point, you know, and I, I did leave that part out of it saying, you know, of course, you, you call for help and and you're right. You might end up with a real sticky situation that needs a, a real specialist to get that person, you know, down and safe. Um, you know, and the, and the other thing is, you know, when you're dealing with this type of crowd, if you get a lot, I look at you guys like a bunch of tough lumberjack types and and take a fall, get up and, and oh, I'm fine. And you'd be like, hey, what's that squirting, <laughs> squirting out of your neck? There's a bunch of blood. Oh, no, I'll. I'll take that up and it will be okay. Be a I, I tell you, whenever, whenever you do have a, a fall from a height, you know, maybe you're lucky and nothing really happened, but I'd be real careful. And, and, and I would err on the side of getting checked out uh, because sometimes, you know, concussions and stuff like this won't even uh, show up till later. So 
you know, that's just one thing I would encourage you. And I think that's a great point you're bringing up to, uh, to make that call and, and to notify the more details you have, the better. When, um, and I, I, I brought that up because you're on the other side of the fence. You know, there's so much happening before you get to see them. Um, and we can, that could lead us into a good discussion is that what, you know, and we're, we're kind of going there, but we, there's a whole scene happening before they, that, that EMS or that ambulance comes rolling into your ER, you know, that could, it could be hours before you see them past that. So the stabilization, all that, how is important it in the report is it for you to read when they land? You get them in the door. Um, do you guys get the EMS report? We do. We get a radio call. You know, they, they'll call us when they're coming in, uh, especially with the more, you know, the more acute cases. And if there's a life-threatening case going on, uh, sometimes they'll even call us from the field before somebody's been extracted and say, you know, in our case, it's, you know, car accidents and stuff. They'd be like, we got these patients. They're still entrapped in this area and we're trying to extract them, but they look bad. And so you can expect to have some traumas coming in. And I could see the same thing happening near, you know, in the forestry kind of business with those types of accidents where somebody is pinned, in, you know, under a tree or they're suspended up in the air and there may be a prolonged, you know, period of time before they come to get uh, to the hospital. But uh, yeah, we'll get a, a call. We'll start assembling people. I got trauma surgeons. We can have blood waiting, uh, techs and nurses and docs all, all waiting, you know, and and so that's the, that information's uh, very helpful for us. That's a different story. If you scoop up your buddy and, and you throw him in your truck and you haul over to the ER, honking your horn out front and say, hey, I got this guy, he's mangled. Uh, can, you, can you come and get him out of my truck? And that, you know, that sort of thing happens too. In which case we've got zero time to prepare, but well, we throw it together as best we can. But the option A is much better. Well, the, well, and even A or B, just get him there. Get because him there, yes. Get him there. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think about the, uh, the the small crew, the pickup truck. Oh, Bob, get in the truck. You got some twigs tied to his legs. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't need. Yeah. I don't need to go. I'm fine. <laughs> I've uh, seen all that, you know. And in, in this business, when you're dealing, especially with the man's mentality, uh, this, this is the way guys do stuff. Hey, let's let's. You know, I'll, I'll take you there. I'll beat you. I'll get you there faster than an ambulance. You know, it's, it's, uh, I, I can't, I, I wish I wouldn't have been on as many jobs. It's just amazing how many jobs I've been on. And, you know, as the day goes on and there's fatigue and the guys just want to get out of the tree, it's a big removal. So they start cutting it bigger. Uh, go bigger, go home. You're right. That bravado. Uh, mentality. Oh, I'll get that tree down. It's just, she was huge, 100 footer. I got her down in an hour. Um, there's that fine balance between safety and bravado that, hey, you know, and I think the faster we push it, and I think the industry's pushing it, that the, 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 um, the, the, the situation changes and exposes you to more hazards. So you got to know your liability, your, your limitations and be very, very, very careful when you're up there and doing this. And I, most people don't under, are, are underestimating the weight of green wood. You know, we talk about cutting, you know, one of the big things is because it's, you know, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, we just think about chainsaws and cutting, 
but you're right. It's falling. It's, um, it's impacts. It's crushing. It's even if you slip down five foot on your friction hitch and roll your blow your knee out in the crotch of a tree and end up upside down, you're, you're immobilized. There's so many little things that we expose ourselves to in this green industry of arboriculture. Um, and I don't think we can be prepared for everything, but um, God, we got to keep that in the forefront of our minds that what happens, tailgate safety, what happens when you show up on the job, discuss the job, get out there. Right. No, I mean, you, you could take all the, all the safety precautions there are, but, but if, uh, if you're, if you're up in a position and, and you have a heart attack or something, it's there's no, there's no predicting that, you know, in my case, at my shop, many of the accidents are by intoxicated people, you know, and, and as the, you know, instead of fatigue, these guys are intoxicated and operating uh, dangerous equipment, felling large trees. You know, I mean, it's, it's just a bad, it's a bad combination. Yeah. I, like I said, I know that I've been in the business a long time and when I first got in the business back uh, 35, 40 years ago, yeah, it was common practice for guys to drink on the job. They would hit the party store on the way down there with the bucket truck, grab their case of beer, put it behind the truck, and they'd have a six pack in before they got to the job. Well, what I remember one of the one of the stories, it was it must have been one of my first weeks being a being a ground soldier. One of the stories was similar to what you're talking about here, where in, in, the foreman had, you know, been intoxicated and all this. And we had a brief tailgate talk. And the, the talk topic for that day was what if somebody isn't wearing their chaps and runs a chainsaw through their leg? You know, and I, I just remember, you know, like you're saying, survey the situation, make sure it's safe. And then you said, stop the bleed. And I'm thinking, I remember during the training uh, that everybody had to wear a belt at all times while they were on the clock. And that was part of it. So they could make a tourniquet, but how, how else, you know, in quick clot, Joe, there's another thing that that's probably, you know, becoming more and more um, uh, apparent, but I'd also like to hear uh, Sharif, your thoughts on quick clot, because I, I know that there can be some complications with it. So if somebody's in the field, and one of the crew members uh, has um, sustained a, a chainsaw wound. How would you suggest uh, that they go forward with it? I tell you, chainsaw wounds are, are some of the nastiest wounds there are. I mean, that, that saw is just designed to remove so much material. And it is not a fine cut. And it just looks like hamburger. You know, I'm sorry to, <laughs> sorry to, to be graphic, but... I know when I see that complaint on the board, it's going to be ugly. So, uh, you know, most of the injuries with chainsaws are to the legs, you know? So you're talking about guys, you know, if they weren't wearing their chaps, they're running a higher risk. They hit their shins, you know, usually they'll stop before going all the way through, you know, I mean, but they'll, they'll get pretty deep before they stop. So it's usually quite a bit of bleeding. And if you hit a bone and you take more, you know, a portion out of the bone, the bone's got a lot of blood supply too. And that, that'll bleed like crazy too. So, you know, depending on what kind of bleeding you have, you know, if it's dark, it's more venous or, or even bone marrow. If you got some pumper that's squirting blood out with their heartbeats, you know, then that's worse, more bright red, that's arterial. Basically, I, 
if I saw blood squirting out of a place that uh, you put some pressure on it, you know, and then whether you're putting just your hand over it and squeezing down on it, uh, it doesn't matter what the patients, if they're screaming in pain and stuff, it, it, you can't take your hand off. Uh, when, when that fails, if it fails and this person's still, you know, basically losing all their blood and, and going to be dead in a few minutes, if you don't stop this thing, I think you grab the belt or tourniquet and you tie off, you know, uh, above the injury as hard as you can tie that thing. And then if it's still losing, then put your hand on it again. And so you're, you, you're in a position here where you're trying to save, you know, you're trying to save somebody from dying. You know, other people might say, well, they're going to lose his arm or he's going to lose his leg. He's like, yeah, you know, <laughs> what's the alternative? You know, it's the only, it's the only thing you can do. And you can leave a tourniquet on for, oh, probably, probably 30 minutes plus uh, and still be able to save limbs. And so, you know, that's, that's what I would do. If, if that happened in front of me, direct pressure doesn't work, I would tourniquet it and then elevate it. I saw that too. And, and then you scoop and run. I mean, really, if, if you're still not getting anywhere, you need to get that person someplace where a surgeon can, can evaluate them and, and you don't have a lot of time. So, uh, but, but you can stop some pretty major bleeding. And if you do have a product like Quick Clot, you know, that's used by the military, we, we don't see much of it used, uh, but I've seen, some, I've seen some demonstrations and it's pretty impressive. I'm sure you can have complications, you know, such as too much clotting and maybe result in some other events. But um, anything you can do when you when you're looking at serious bleeding, that, that person's potential to die and, you know, right in front of your eyes. And, and, mm -hmm. and you don't want that. Yeah, it's, it was interesting. I was on a job site where a guy ran a chainsaw. You know, we go back to what we're talking about, situational. Uh, very good climber, reached back with his trim saw to get that last little stub and it, uh, the kickback tip hit the bottom of the branch that ran the branch up the back of his calf. Uh. Full rep, right up his leg. And I'm standing on the ground running ropes for him. I'm like, tell me you just didn't do that. And he's looking down. He goes, dude, I got me. I got myself. So I helped him lay him down. We got him down. And from the time he cut himself to the time he got down, because like you said, uh, Dr. Sharif, that it, it, it excavates. It doesn't cut you. It excavates tissue. Huh. And you can see, you know, not to be gory, but you can see the left and right chain tooth where it filleted the skin and actually removed that half inch of flesh right down to the bone. You could stick your fingers in there. It was just gone. It wasn't there. There was nothing to hold together. There was nowhere to put pressure the, the, the tissue is gone. That's what it's designed to do. So it's very graphic and it's very disgusting, but them so, they're so, you're right. The saws are designed to cut something a lot more dense than flesh. And if we're not aware and we're not wearing the PPE, because there's so many amazing companies out there trying to keep us safe. Um, if you're on the ground running a big saw, and I know it's not, it's not required by OSHA yet in the US, but in Europe, you have to wear chainsaw pants in the tree if you're running a power tool uh, because of years experience. But yeah, we have a, we're, we're exposed to a lot more than generally every day. And just understanding that this does happen um, and have some type of plan in place every day that you go out there uh, is paramount, including closest hospital, you know, little stuff like that. Um, what address are you working at? 
nothing more frustrating than calling 911 and saying, oh, my God, a guy hurt. He's hanging upside down in a tree and there's blood all over. Well, where are you at? Oh, shit, I don't know. Every second counts. So having a good plan is huge. Yeah, those tailgate talks when folks are getting together before anyone even anyone even goes up a tree is, is probably, you know, an ounce of an ounce of prevention, right, can save you a, a pound in the end. And I, I think it's becoming more commonplace that people are having those talks. And thank goodness, you know, thank goodness for it. I'm sure it saved a number of lives. Um, as, as we as we continue the conversation, I see the, the clock ticking down here. Is there anything, uh, doctor, that you've seen in the tree industry or, or, or folks coming in from a tree or construction industry that uh, stuck out in your mind, either as, as an anomaly or something really neat? Or um, what, what's a case that, that, that you can talk about without, without violating any, any HIPAA laws? Yeah, right. Well, you know, I'll tell you, Joe's Joe's story about the guy who uh, saw the back of his leg is pretty good. Um, you know, I, I don't know if I could top that. My, my best stories are, are table saw accidents, you know, because those guys just, they'll run all their fingers through that before they stop, you know, but uh, we, I see a lot of, I see a lot of chainsaw or uh, table saw accidents. Those guys always come in with a bag of fingers. So that's, that's, that's important. I, we were discussing that around dinner table tonight. That's what, that's what we do in our house. Um, how should people transport fingers? Cause I learned this tonight while trying to eat some beef stroganoff. <clears throat> how do people, should they transport limbs, appendages, uh, if they do separate from their body, say a, a bag of fingers? I tell you, well, it depends on what you have access to, but uh basically you want to you want to put it in a plastic bag uh if you have you know if you have some moist gauze or something to wrap it in that's fine but put it in a plastic bag put it on ice and bring it in with you you know the truth is uh you know in my 10 years i've never seen them reattach anything uh they'll, they'll be happy that you brought it in they'll tell you oh it's too small or it's too damaged um and and you just see the hopes just fall out of these guys faces you know thinking that they could have put them in um, you know, that they can put this finger back on. Uh, I do have one, one good story and it's not a, not a piece of equipment that you use too much in forestry, but it's a, a couple of, uh, landscapers were, uh, were working on a yard and they forgot their hedge trimmers. They thought, you know, why don't we just use our push mower to, uh, to trim the hedges? You know, you grab one side and I'll grab the other. Oh no. So they got this push mower going with the blade running. And they grab under the deck on both sides to lift it. And there is no clearance between the blade and the housing. And these guys each lost eight fingers. Oh. And so they came in, they put all these fingers in one bag and brought them into the ER. And the doctors are looking at the whose finger is this and which finger is it? And they spent forever trying to figure out which fingers were which. Uh, I, yeah, it, it, <laughs> just, just a simple little miscalculation it seemed like a good idea at the time uh but ended up with pretty bad results oh yeah that's a good one that, that's definitely a good one so like uh like Corey says as we wrap up with that great example of think before you do it um you know what you're right i've seen that on on social media where guys trim edges with lawnmowers 
But, um, you know, one thing, and I know it's, uh, Doc, it's not your specialty, but in today's day and age, um, Corey, you and I have discussed that in previous podcasts, is that I think we need to do a better job on discussing mental health, not just safety on the job site, but overall safety and mental health. Um, and then maybe sometime in the future, we can get you back on, Doc, and talk about mental health and um, taking care of you. If you take care of you, you can take care of your fellow employees uh, and just being alert. Um, I'll, I'll sign off with saying, stay away from the cough syrup and the beer and all that stuff before the job. Be a professional. Uh, look out for your teammates. Everybody's under your wing. We're all leaders in this and make sure everybody comes home safe. Yeah, yeah no. I, I agree with that. I agree with that. You know, I mean, uh, you got friends and family to lean on. Everybody's under stress. Be on the lookout, you know, uh, be on the lookout. Don't be afraid to say something and ask somebody if they're doing okay. Uh, because it's it's really a, a taboo topic, you know, in the past. And and I think it's very important, just not for your just overall well-being, but also for safety and stuff too. Awesome. Well, thank, thank you so much. I, I hope both you gentlemen get to enjoy the rest of your vacation. I hope all of our listeners enjoyed the topic tonight. Hopefully uh, you didn't keg too hard or that you're able to keep, keep your supper down, but uh, I'm sure we'll be talking to you next time. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Hey, great topic today. Yes. And lots of good information. Yeah. Probably one of our best yet. If you enjoyed the podcast or have topics you would like to discuss, please send them to discoveringforestry at gmail.com. And please hit the subscribe button and tell a friend. Thanks, guys, uh, for tuning in. Until next time, I'm Joe. And I'm Corey. Signing Signing out. out.